here we go. Happy Hump Day, film fans, and welcome to the latest episode of Shot by Shot, the official cinematography podcast of One Perfect Shot and Film School Rejects. I am one half of your hosting team, H. Perry Horton, and with me, as always, is my good buddy and OPS founder, Jeff Todd. This week, we're talking about one of the most beloved and iconic films of all time, a film that introduced the world to a character for the ages, and a film that's the best thing to happen to the Hoosier State since basketball, Steven Spielberg's inaugural Indiana Jones adventure, Raiders of the Lost Ark, shot by three-time Oscar nominee and cinematography legend Douglas Slocum. Jeff, Raiders of the Lost Ark, how important is this film to you? Oh, I I don't think you could uh, overstate how important it Mm -hmm. is to to me, both as a a film and in terms of what it taught me about film. Mm -hmm. Um, It's right up there with E.T. You know, you and I both had that same experience with E.T. and how it, it... that that's the moment that that cinema kind of became real with ET mm-hmm. when we understood the mechanics of it and i think raiders is a movie that taught me how fun movies can be how adventurous they can be and i think later on it was like how to do it well because there mm-hmm. is not an ounce of fat in raiders no of the there's not it's a very lean i mean it's a perfect it's a perfect cut it, it is. I mean, I mean the 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 shot lengths are perfect. The shot selections are perfect. It never calls attention to itself. It just does what it needs to mm-hmm. do, and mm-hmm. then it gets out of there. It's just it's a perfect film. It's my it's my number one film of all time. It's my favorite film. It's my wow. number one comfort film. Raiders is to me what Jaws is to you, and and they're both Spielberg, which says and a they're lot. both Spielberg. Yeah. Do you remember seeing Raiders for the first time? You know what's weird is I don't. I don't either. I remember seeing. I don't either. I, I remember the Drew Struzan artwork, and that was the my first impression of the film. That's what I remembered, and I remember kind of building a movie in my head before I had seen it, uh, just based on on the characters that I saw on that on that one sheet. But Temple of Doom was my first uh, Indiana Jones film in a theater. Mine too. I remember, I remember that. that very. I remember that very clearly. Yep. But. Raiders is like it was always on wherever yeah. I went. I yeah. don't remember what cable station it was on. I just remember it was always. There. I, I, I'm right. I, yeah, I feel like I saw it. I I, I know I must have seen it on TV because I was I was way too. I mean, we're talking what 1981, so I'm I'm about four or five. It's too young for theater. I remember Temple of Doom. I remember Last Crusade. I, it must have been TBS. Maybe you know. Maybe a. a an ABC Monday night movie. I, I I don't remember seeing it for the first time, but I know that I saw it no less than, you know, several dozen times as a child. Oh man. It's just one of those movies that because it was everywhere, it it just, I, the, the, the the one experience of seeing it in the theater, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I didn't have until much later. In fact, I've seen, even though I don't recall the very first time I've seen it, I know that I have seen this movie in more different formats, I think, than any other film. See, I've never seen Raiders in the theater. Oh, man. I've seen it on beta. I've seen it on VHS. I've seen it on DVD, <laughs> Laserdisc, uh, Blu-ray. Uh, I've seen it in 70 millimeter print. I've seen it in 35 print. I've seen it in Jesus. 70 millimeter IMAX. I've oh, wow. seen it in digital. Like I've seen it. You know, It's just one of those movies that whenever it's playing... I will go see that. In fact, I remember the very first time I saw Raiders on the screen, um, well after I had seen it for the first time, but the very first time I saw it on the big screen was when the old Eastgate Theater in Portland was closing, uh-huh. and they did a free screening of Raiders like all weekend. Oh. They were playing nothing but Raiders. What a way to go free. out. 
Oh, man, it was huge. And that was the first time it was like, man, I fell in love with it all over again, just seeing it there. And each time I saw it in in uh, a new format, I had that same experience where it's just like this religious experience mm-hmm. to see Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater. I need to have that experience. And, and this might be a dumb question because I, I feel like it's a foregone conclusion. But is this the best Indiana Jones movie? Uh, to me, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I know. I use the term all the time, but I think this. I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is a Swiss watch. Like it's perfect. It is perfect. It, yeah, it, you know, it, it I is think the perfect. others have um, the others have flaws, and they have moments that feel slightly derivative of Raiders of the Lost sure, Ark. Sure, sure. Uh, and some of them are just flat out not good. Like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is just flat out the, not a good the film. Terrible fucking film. Yeah, in fact, but although I do love the opening of it. Uh, which I know opening. has been, you know, some people kind of love and hate that. But which I, one's the opening? I, I love it. What's the opening? What's that? Is that the, is that the uh, shit? Yeah, it is, opens in the warehouse in the. Is that the refrigerator? Yeah, that's the refrigerator. Oh, I love everything up to the refrigerator. Although, I'll say that. although the refrigerator is the linchpin in one of my absolute favorite fan theories from cinema. Uh, yep, yep. That that Indy survives that not because he's in a damn lead fridge, but because he's immortal after drinking from the uh, cup of Christ. the cup of Christ in Last Crusade. Yeah. Love that theory. See, but that theory doesn't work if you consider that he's old as shit. Uh, no, that 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 uh, uh, the da- uh, Connery drinks from the cup of Christ as well, and he does. Does he drink or does he just have it poured on his wound? No, he drink. He does pours he- it in his mouth and then pours it on. Oh, him. okay, all right. Yeah, and I'm wow. I just watched that last night. Thanks for uh, thanks for ruining that for me. Yeah, there goes the air in that <laughs> balloon, fucker. Wow, thanks, George but Lucas. The um, I think that Raiders is is my favorite. Uh, I think Temple of Doom is my number two because it's kind of like the nightmare of the Indiana Jones films. It's yeah, it's, a, it's decidedly uh, different. Yeah, it is. It's just different in tone. Yeah, the tone is the way the, the action difference. is filmed. Um, it's funny to me that Slocum shot all of these because you can see the connection between the first the first and the last, but that second one, it, it almost doesn't look like an Indiana Jones movie in spots. No, it, yeah, what's weird is it has mo- moments where it, it, it looks uh, absolutely foreign from the Indiana uh-huh. Jones universe, and it has moments that are so true of the of the indiana jones universe you know it has those great silhouettes and those right heroes those hero shots right. that, that raiders has and then last crusade is just a full-on retread of of the emotional yeah. ground that raiders was on it's it's it puts the fun back in the franchise yeah yeah it's a good solid film i don't think it's it's not you know raiders if raiders of the lost ark is a four-star film i think last crusade is probably a solid like three and a half yeah i'd go with that i'd go with that you know and I'd probably say the same thing about Temple of Doom in its own, right? It's probably a three and a half star film. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I'm probably Negative two four. and a half. <laughs> I'm probably at the point of denying it even exists. Yeah, I don't know. What's, what's, what Crystal Skull? <laughs> no, I, I'd give that two and a half. Because it, it does, even Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I still rewatch it. Yeah, you know when I'm when I'm on a Jones kick, and and there are still moments that I still love. But man, the second you start falling in love with that movie, somebody's fucking swinging from a vine like Tarzan, and then you're like, you just want to throw the Blu-ray player oh, across Jesus. the room. God, it's just so it's just they make so many stupid decisions. They they really do. I can't. Even, I don't even consider it. I I still, and I'm not being a dick when I. I mean, I am being a dick, but I'm not being an intentional dick when I say it. Like I yeah. still refer to it as the Indiana Jones trilogy. That's just yeah. I think that's true. that's just how I think, I think about right. it. I, I think yeah. that's and, and regardless of what happens 
in the future or, or, or Crystal Skull. I think those three films stand together in, in ways that are more more than just you know narrative and, and tonally. And a lot of that does have to do with the fact that, like I said, Slocum shot all three of these films. You know, in, in, in a what, what are we talking about? Like a dozen year time period. What's Last Crusade? Ninety three, ninety four. Uh, Last Crusade would have been uh, 90... No, Last Crusade was like 89. Is it possible that I wanted to see Star Trek The Final Frontier instead of getting a chance to see Last Crusade in the theater? I think I did. I think I'm having some kind of horrific flashback. That doesn't seem appropriate at all. Were they in the theater at the same time? Final Frontier I mean, they they both would have been summer movies. I know the second time that I saw, or I know the first time I saw Last Crusade in the theater was with my dad, but that was the second chance that I had to see it. And then I went went to the theater that first time, though, I think with my stepbrother, and he was a huge Star Trek guy, and he wanted to see Star Trek. And I wanted to see, I may have gone along with him. And I, I remember Last Crusade playing, because I remember there was, uh, the day we went to go see it, there was something on the Today Show, which my parents watched in the morning. Dude, I, I, I seriously think I made that decision. Fuck me. I want to, I want to beat myself up. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not real happy with how this is going. <laughs> Dude, I seriously think I did that. Uh, hold on. I'm going to, in real time here, I'm, I'm going to go on to uh, <laughs> The Final Frontier IMDb. When, when was that released? Oh, fuck, I did. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, there goes your credibility. <laughs> oh, the final frontier. You continue the to haunt final me. final frontier. Really, dude? <laughs> I don't even know which one that is. You continue to fuck with my life. That's what Cybok in The Search for God. I, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Nimoy's, it's uh, Spock's brother. Uh, I'm, not a star, I'm not a Star Trek dude. Ugh, lucky you. I've seen Khan. I think that's it. Have you seen the director's cut of Khan? No. Oh, then you have not seen Khan. No, it's good. Yeah, it's it's worth. And it's, the one with whales. I've seen the one with whales. Uh, that's four. Yeah, that blows. What? The Dude, one that's considered with I, the whales? I think after after Khan. That's considered the greatest Trek film with the whales. Yes. Huh. Ah. Oh. You skipped the Last Crusade to see the Final Frontier. <laughs> exactly. You can't shame That's me. That's what of you this. can always throw back into my face. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't shame me. It doesn't matter that you're shitting on the voyage home. I fucking dude. saw the Final Frontier before I saw the Last Crusade. God, I don't even know what that means. There's, Jeez, there's, 1989 is also that's the same. Uh, that's the same year I, I, I wrote. I saw um, the first film by myself. I saw Batman. At, at oh yeah, this opening Batman, day, yeah. rode my bike like fucking five miles to see that shit. Isn't that Back to the Future three or two? Um, I don't know. Jeez, already though, just between the three films we've talked about, what a summer! But let's get back to uh, let's get back to let's Raiders. Get back to Raiders. Yeah. Let's get back on track. Let Let's stop shitting on my poor decision making inside <laughs> the theater. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Douglas Slocum before we get started. Whose life reads like a movie itself. He's born in 1913. That's one three thirteen, and lived until February of last year, making him the ripe old age of 103 when he died. And in that century, yeah, right. And in that century plus, he packed a lot of living and a ton of perfect shots. Slocum got into the industry working as a photojournalist for Life magazine, among others, in Europe before the start of World War II. The dude once interrupted a speech by Nazi shitheel Joseph Goebbels with a loud snarl of a jammed camera. He called it one of the more uncomfortable moments of his life. I can, <laughs> I can imagine that's true. 
during the war, Slocum was a newsreel cameraman, which led to a job at famed Ealing Studios, one of the most famous British production houses in history, home to classics like Kind Hearts and Coronets back in the day, and modern classics like Shaun of the Dead today. Ealing productions were known for their verisimilitude and stark realism, and that's a look credited almost exclusively to Slocum, who shot for the studio for close to 20 years before striking out on his own. This was back in the studio system days, so you could either you know attach your horse to, to one company or freelance, and that's what he did. In that second chapter of his career, Slocum shot for Roman Polanski, Peter Yates, Norman Jewison, Jack Clayton, Fred Zinneman, and of course, Steven Spielberg. Slocum was thrice nominated for an Oscar, once for Travels with My Aunt, once for Julia, and once for this film, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Slocum shot the only three Indiana Jones films that matter. And The Last Crusade was actually his final film, which I think is a perfect way to retire, not just because it's a good film, because it, it really is like we were just talking about. It really is sort of a, a throwback to, to the fun and the you know what makes Raiders a great film, as well as it's, it's just sort of showcasing the skills that this dude has picked up over a, a really long and great career. Yeah, I think he lost the Academy Award to, uh, to Reds that year. Reds takes to- everything that year. Who shot that? Uh, Reds is, uh, I think it's Is it Storaro? That's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. Well, it must be right if you and I both are thinking that. Or it's, yeah, or it's dead wrong and it's going to be like. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is Storaro, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's, well, I mean, Reds is a gorgeous film. Uh, it, it certainly hasn't stood the test of time like Raiders has. It hasn't. No, Reds has had a weird journey, and I don't really, I don't really recall any what I would consider iconic shots. Uh, no, and 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 Raiders is just is chock full of them. It is. I mean, every single scene is near perfect. Mm-hmm. There's not a superfluous camera movement in the entire film. Um, in, and I was thinking about this last night. I was watching Inglorious Bastards, and uh, the scene when. Aldo calls Wiki over to help translate uh, what the German is saying when he's trying to get the the location of the German mm-hmm. uh, at that time. And the camera's moving from Aldo to Wiki to the German. And like it, it keeps going back to whoever's talking occupies the space in that frame. And it's so superfluous and kind of distracting and pointless that it made me appreciate even more the steady hand of Slocum at, uh, with Raiders and the work that he did. Because there is never anything that ever calls attention to itself. No. The no. camera is always right where it needs to be. The audience always has an understanding of the geography. Yeah. You're never having to acclimate yourself to the environment. That's a really good point. He's almost David Lean esque in that regard. That's a that's a really good point. I, that reminds, you know one of the one of the best pieces of writing advice I think I think out there is you know always start as, as close to the end of the scene as possible. Uh, and cinema, cinematographically, that's that's how this feels. Like he has he has gotten it just at the point where you you understand context enough, but you don't have too much. It's you know it's right there. It's poised. It's ready to start at the perfect moment. Yeah, and you know to to kind of underscore this a little more, uh, Steven Soderbergh. Um, this was the first time I remember anybody taking a color film and turning it into a black and white exercise. Um, Because I remember when Soderbergh started doing his annual list of things that he had read and watched, 
the I think the first year he did it was the first time he had watched Raiders of the Lost Ark in black and white. And I remember that was a thing for a while there. Everybody was watching it in black and white. And it's an interesting experience because, I, you know, while I don't think it works on a film like Fury Road because it's not as immersive as I think it needs to be, it, it, it works really well with Raiders because the homage is so direct. Um, sure, sure, yeah, but, sure. It looks like a, it looks like a, 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 a post-war adventure. It looks studio. like a product of its time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Soderbergh also did another cut where he stripped the sound from Raiders and all the dialogue, and then put like a Trent Reznor score, Ooh. just so you you know you have something to at least complement the scene that you're uh, that you're watching. Um, but the point of the exercise was to underscore the importance of staging. You could be the best cinematographer in the world and you aren't you aren't going to get shit if your staging is off. Slocum knew this better than most. No matter where the cuts come, you know exactly where you are. It all comes back to geography. But let's take a quick break. Check out the trailer for Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then Perry and I will be right back to talk about our three favorite shots from my favorite film. For nearly 3,000 years, man has searched for the lost Ark of the Covenant. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. Not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. Jones, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. The Ark, if it is there, Atanis, then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. It is protected by forces beyond imagination. It is desired above all treasures on Earth by those who are good, trust me, and those who are evil. I tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Let her go. Hey, we have no time. If you still want the Ark, it has been loaded onto a truck for Cairo. Raiders of the Lost Ark. A film from Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. trailer still gives me goosebumps to this day um, because this is Raiders we aren't going to do just one trailer like we always do we have a little something extra for this one as I mentioned at the top of the show I knew about this movie first as a kid because of the Drew Struzan poster that one sheet was the most amazing poster that I had ever seen and you know when you're a kid and you're you're seeing images from a film that you haven't seen yet you fill in the blanks you make you make a film in your head and with Raiders Drew Struzan was so good at bringing those characters to life. The movie that played in my head wasn't entirely dissimilar from from the movie that I saw. Um, 
And so, but before I had seen the movie, I was already collecting the action figures. I had all the play sets. Um, you know, I actually collected them from our local sports store of all places. I'm not sure why they had them, but that's where we went to uh, to grab them. Um, if you're from Portland, it was uh, uh, G.I. Joe's was the name of the store. It's uh, no longer here. But um, but the first time I remember seeing live images from Mayors of the Lost Ark was this re-release trailer. And I think it's from July of 82. Um, the original trailer is very quiet and kind of mysterious and it eventually erupts into action. But the re-release trailer is wall-to-wall action the cat's out of the bag at this point indy is a brand and he's now this iconic character in cinema so the re-release trailer kind of plays with that and it's really fucking fantastic so we wanted to play this one as well and i promise at the end of this one we will get to our favorite shots check it out is back, pursued by Belloc, <laughs> befriended by Sullivan, threatened by Toth, and loved by Marion. Some of them are heroes. Some of them are enemies. And all of them are returning. They are all Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's the greatest adventure film of all time. Jones! I'm gonna blow up the Ark, And it will always be fun. Trust me. Raiders of the Lost Ark. You can fall in love with the original theatrical trailer all you want, but that's the jam right there. That re-release trailer. You see what I mean? That's like wall-to-wall action. Um, we'll link to that as well uh, when we post the uh, the podcast episode. But that's the first time I got a live-action look at uh, Indiana Jones, and that that's really seeing that, that re-release trailer is really, I think, what propelled my imagination even more and kind of fed that that love of... of Spielbergian cinema and and, and you know what I can't even pigeonhole it as as Spielbergian you know even though that you know he he has that touch he has that 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 identifiable style but really his films are just about good filmmaking and smart decisions when it comes to telling that telling that narrative in a way that the audience is going to uh, going to relate to but Enough of my yakking. Let's get to our three favorite shots, my man. What's on deck for you? What's your first favorite shot? My first shot comes in the film's first act when Marion is approached by the Nazis in her bar in Nepal. I'm talking about that wide shot with Marion in the lower left quadrant and the rest of the frame is taken up by the looming shadow of Tote? Tot? How do you say it? (laughs) I'm just going to listen to you say that. (laughs) Tote, the the uh, Nazi dude. Taint? (laughs) Taint? No, it's Major Arnold Tote. Tote. The beady-eyed jackass who eventually gets his face melted off. Raiders is full of masterful shots of shadows and silhouettes, which are even more masterful if you remember that Slocum didn't use a light meter once, not for a single shot. Damn. He did not use a light meter once during the entire thing, which is just, which is remarkable. 
Uh, but this is the most purposeful shadow in the film, I think. It establishes Tote and what he stands for, not just as the big bad of this film, but as an all-time class of villainy. His presence, and by proxy the presence of Nazi Germany, is a black specter that haunts Indy and follows close at his heels like only a shadow can. And the fact that the shadow is behind her, while Marion's frantic attention is paid to the source in front of her, hints at the omnipresent threat of Nazism, the feeling that existed at the time that this wasn't an ideology limited to geographical barriers, but a politics of hate that could infect societies worldwide. And all rhetoric aside, it's also just a really cool, really beautiful shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my uh, my first favorite shots from this scene as well. This entire scene, the fight at Marion's Bar, which is my favorite shootout in cinema, and I'll, I'm going to be saying this all episode long. This, I mean, it has my favorite opening. It has my favorite shootout. It has my favorite chase. It has my favorite fight. But it also has my favorite use of silhouettes. And that's my first favorite shot. This is your first true indie silhouette of the four films. When Indy walks into the bar and Marion has her back turned to the door and just sees this giant silhouette on the wall in front of her. The presence of Jones never escapes her, and this is kind of her first chance at some kind of um, reconciliation with the feelings that she has for Jones. The I, I, this whole scene is kind of a masterclass in how to use silhouettes because there's three different instances of silhouettes and three specific uses for them, and it never feels like you're seeing the same trick again because it's, it's just so unique. Um, the silhouettes were created using a false background, something that's been something that's been done since the days of Casablanca and even before that. Um, so there's an, uh, a body double for Harrison Ford in this particular uh, instance, a body for Harrison Ford on the other side of a, a, a false background. A light is projecting his silhouette and then the camera on the other side is capturing that. So um, but silhouettes are by nature a dramatic you can't get around that. Um, they can show the weight of the character, the power of just their presence, like in this scene. They can be threatening, like when the silhouettes of Tot's crew are seen as they enter Marion's bar. Um, they can also mask something more gruesome, like when Tot instructs a henchman to shoot both Indy and a, and a member of Tot's crew that he's struggling with. Um, Indy kind of wrestles the gun as as the henchman is, is still holding it and forces the gun to fire, shooting one of Tot's henchmen. Um, and we see the henchman's silhouette get hit by the bullet and fall before we see the henchman's body collapse across the screen. So, um, you know, this is really an expert use of, of that trick. Um, and it is a trick, but it's a trick that draws the audience in. And you can bet Roger Deakins was taking notes during this scene. Well, it makes it decidedly more theatrical, you know, like it, 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 it sort of it, it grants it grants a sense of confinement to it. Uh, I mean, just the, the way that the shadows, you know, sort of crook around the wall and loom over people like it, you know, it makes it uh, makes it more claustrophobic and makes it more atmospheric. And Slocum, Slocum, I mean, you know, I don't think I, I realized it as much until we started doing research for this episode. But I mean, you got to figure that on the list of, of top three most influential cinematographers for Mr. Roger Deakins, Slocum comes pretty high near the top i mean there's a lot of oh absolutely uh-huh. absolutely i mean even looking at their be- their right. beginnings you know because because deacon started out with the the Same documentary way. yeah started out as a photojournalist yeah. and 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 brings that sort yeah. of naturalism and that realism into his into his more fictional work 
But I mean, it, just in particular, their their use of, of light and shadow in just such a variety of ways. Like it never really means the same thing. There's also that great, you know, that great shadow in the film where, where just Indy's eye is in the light. Yeah, and the focus on the eyes is throughout Raiders. Acting is all in the eyes, and Slocum really employs that. And Spielberg, I would imagine, had to encourage the actors to use that just to kind of maximize those shots. But we get it as in he's leaving the bar with that Kirk lighting, which is something that Star Trek did when they would want to just light Kirk's eyes. Um, They would often do it if he turned evil or something like that and look ominous. Um, You get it. Uh, you get taught kind of peering over that Life magazine in the plane at the beginning. Um, you get Indy's eyes looking out of the Imam's house at the beginning of that scene. You get Indy running toward the camera when he's looking for Marion at the market just before he starts tipping over all those baskets. He kind of runs towards the camera and stops at the moment of a close-up on his eyes. So um, it, it's used kind of throughout this film. I, and I don't remember the, that particular focus on... In, in the other films, maybe a little bit in Temple of Doom, but certainly not in uh, Last Crusade, at least that I remember. Yeah, I mean, just a beautiful, beautiful shot. And again, just just one that, that has its sort of its own connotation and its own meaning. Just great use of, of and, and again, without a light meter. That's just amazing to me. And that's Spielberg's, that's one of Spielberg's top three films, isn't it? Casablanca? Favorites? Uh, it has to be. I think it's one of everybody's mm. top three films, right? <laughs> yeah, not mine. Oddly not mine, though. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I love that movie. I mean, yeah, you I, like, have to I love, love Casablanca, uh, but you have to love Casablanca the same way that like yeah. you gotta love The Wizard of Oz. Or yeah, I mean, like it's it's there, but I mean it's it's a great movie. It's not gonna make my personal top three. I'm not even sure to make yeah, my top three no. bogeys. Yeah, man. I now that you say that, because uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre, Maltese Falcon, Treasure of Sierra Madre, Big Sleep. Oh fuck, big in sleep. a lonely place. Yeah. Yeah, dude. You're right about that. African you were Queen. right about that. I never thought about that. Yeah, Casablanca is probably not even my top five favorite bogeys. No, probably not Shit. mine either. Wow. That's a fucking mind blower right there. That's crazy. Yeah, that's like a punch in the face from Vic Armstrong. Well, that's actually a good segue to my second shot, which I think, which comes from what I think is the film's best fight sequence. Uh, and this is the one between Indy and that giant bald Nazi. Vic Armstrong. Vic. That ends with Vic turned to sauerkraut and the propellers of a transport plane. You see what <laughs> I did there with sauerkraut? Uh I'm thinking of the shot just after fisticuffs ensue when Indy is knocked to the ground and he's looking up at his at his sparring partner through the frame of Vic's legs and fighting stance. You know, I just I love that shot. It's a quick shot. It's a simple shot. But once again, this is one that sort of hints at the looming might of the Nazi power towering over the American active intellectualism that Indy represents. But I like this shot more for what it says about Indy. He's great here because he's an improbable underdog. He's a professor for fuck's sake. I mean, he's not a soldier or a He's a college-educated professor of archaeology, elbow-patch jackets and all. And by virtue of this, he's one of the last kind of guys you expect to be bare-knuckle boxing Teutonic Goliaths on Egyptian airstrips. But he's that guy. And furthermore, he keeps winning somehow. It makes zero sense, but it works. And I think that this shot encapsulates that sort of dumbfounded powerhouse that Indy is like even he's sort of surprised that he keeps pulling shit off right and this has my favorite punch of all time when um when Vic punches uh that first punch when he gets Indy right in the face and his knees buckle like that fucking hurts it fucking hurts to see him take yeah. that shot and it just I've never seen knees kind of kind of buckle I mean, like you that. believe he you believe that dude really punched Harrison Ford because that's just the kind of realistic reaction that is but it's also it's also vaguely slapstick. Like it's it's got a little 
a little Buster Keaton to it. Oh you know, yeah, just without a doubt. The wobble. There's a, the, but the whole thing is just it's beautiful. Yep. The timing in it is great. The choreography is great. Yeah. It's just a great, it's a great shot. It's a great scene. Yeah, it is. It, it, you know, going back real quick to the, you know, we were talking about silhouettes uh, a second ago. The other silhouette that happens just after this scene, um, after the plane has exploded and they run into the tent with Sala. And you get kind of this group shot. You have Sala's silhouette, Indy's silhouette, and Marion's silhouette. Um, and then in the background, you have all of this chaos happening. Um, that is a brilliant, brilliant shot. And it's really kind of what my, my second favorite shot is about. It's, and it's not a shot. It's more of the, the technique of using the foreground and the background and being aware of both because there's, there's always kind of two stories that are happening in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's what's, what's right in front of you and what's in the background. And that scene, you know, in the tent is, is a great example of that. Um, there's a scene in, um, in the in Indy's uh, apartment or house, when Mar- he's getting ready for his trip, and Marcus Brody is kind of saying how envious he is, and as Indy's packing in the foreground, in the background, Marcus is envious of Indy getting to go on this uh, adventure, envious and, and maybe a little um, worried on his behalf. There is the scene, you know, that you mentioned in the bar with um, with Marion occupying the 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 foreground and and um taught occupying the background um you have um the scene in the bar where belloc is telling indy that um you know he's but a shadowy reflection of him um indy's in the foreground belloc's in the background so you have this um this character who's mourning the death of the the woman that he loved with this character in the background who's kind of taunting Indy. Um, and then there's kind of playful moments of using that when Indy's looking in the mirror when he's on the ship. He's looking in the mirror, kind of rubbing his forehead just before Marion flips the, the the mirror over and smacks Indy in the face. You know, you have Indy both in the foreground and the background. So it's an interesting use of that. Everything has purpose. It's like, it's Kubrickian. Kubrickian. What's your, uh, what, what do you have for your final shot? My final shot is the actual final shot of the film. When the arc now created is being wheeled down that shadowy corridor by an unnamed attendant. As Slocum pulls the camera back, we see the corridors in a huge warehouse filled with thousands, if not tens of thousands of similar crates. This is one of the biggest gut punches in movie history for me. And it's more like a one-two combo. One, it's such a shot of futility. For all the effort Indy just expended and all the peril he fell under, the result is to take the fruit of his discovery and hide it away for all time. No one will ever know of his achievement. There will be no unveiling, no exhibit, no laudations. It was all for naught, this quest, from an archaeological standpoint at least, which is to unearth unknown artifacts and share them with the world. But at the same time, it blows the mythology of the film wide open. There's a whole warehouse full of stuff like this. And this is where the serial feel of the Indiana Jones movies really comes out. Each crate came here by its own separate adventure, and thus each crate represents a possible chapter in the Indiana Jones story. And it's not all his stuff, but it just this is what it is what it symbolizes. It lets us know that Raiders has just been the beginning. So what you get is a sad moment that makes you want to stand up and cheer. And that's such a tricky balance to strike. But here it's done, I, I think, perfectly. Yeah, this is one of the greatest map paintings, I think, in the history of cinema because it it's looks so seamless. Just flawless. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's, I'd love to have it. Yeah. You know, the that's an interesting point you raise about each one of those boxes being a potential adventure because basically what this 
warehouse is. It's it's John Wick's hotel. You know, with John Wick's hotel, like behind every single door, <laughs> you have a potential movie there, and you want the you want the the the, the writers to explore that more. Um, and it's something they didn't really do in in chapter yeah. two, which I wanted them to. And it's something that that the the Indiana Jones trilogy or films hasn't really done. I think it, going back to that warehouse and kind of pulling these mysteries from there, you know, came with crystal skull at least got to the warehouse. Um, but there was so much potential in there to go on these different adventures. It's something they just never quite managed to do at least to the perfection of Raiders. Um, my last favorite shot is the, the fame. It's another silhouette shot. And this is Indy and Sala's team digging for the well of souls. God, you just have to, cause this oh. is my go-to image. Like when you think of Raiders of the lost Ark, you think of that shot. Yeah. I totally, I, I, I without question this one, it's just, it's expertly executed. Um, there's a lot of action going on. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of wandering impatiently kind of from side to side, as he's kind of uh, instructing these guys as they're digging. And it's just a beautiful moment um, for the film. You know, one of the things I love about watching the Star Wars films is there's always these little moments where the film pauses to kind of admire its beauty. Whether it's like the, you know, Millennium Falcon kind of swooping towards the camera and then sweeping away again. And this is kind of what that is to me. It's just kind of a moment to just be like, wow, Mm -hmm. look at that. Mm -hmm. And it's not, uh, you know... Yeah. Slocum does those shots very well because there's a shot in The Great Gatsby that is um, that is just like that when they're out on the the, the, yeah, the 75 Great Gatsby just for the, the 75 Great Gatsby yeah yeah, yeah exactly. that, that beautiful rose tinted yeah oh god that's a the dude shot. just gets sunsets he does you know he just he just understands it um, and the, and there's another Deacons comparison oh yeah absolutely Deacons could do it absolutely just as well. and there's a, there's a you know, and I'm I'm going to blank on the name of it, but John Ford had a cinematographer that sort of originates all this stuff. I think of the Searchers. It's got a great scene, uh, tinted the same color as the one you're talking about, with the riders on horseback crossing the desert, which I think they co-op, uh, which I think Slocum references in Last Crusade. Oh, when they're riding. Oh, you're talking about. Um, um, uh, um, you're talking about Winton Hotch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but, you know, the Indiana Jones quality, besides being adventure films, they do have a sort of Western yeah. quality to them. Oh, God. Fuck yeah. Uh, so it makes sense that, that Ford would be a point of reference for Spielberg at this. Oh, yeah. I don't think, yeah. They're, the, the Indiana Jones films are components of so many different genres. Uh, they're almost mashups. You know, even though it's a, it's, it's a tried and true action adventure film, in the end, it's a genre mashup. You're looking at serials. You're looking at cheesy sci-fi. You're looking at um, epics. You're looking at you know what I mean. Like it just runs the gamut. Yeah, it's a little bit of it's a blender it's a, it's, it's, of it's adventure. Hollywood. That's going to be the tagline for our new show. Shot by shot, a blender of adventure. Before we go, a reminder: you can subscribe to our network of shows on Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app by simply searching "One Perfect Pod" and clicking whatever you find. When you subscribe, you get access to the entire family of One Perfect podcasts. You can also visit filmschoolrejects.com/pod for additional information. And please don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes and let us know how we're doing. On social media, you can follow the site on Twitter using at One Perfect Shot and on Facebook by adding backslash One Perfect Shot to the URL. If you want to follow Jeff and myself, we're both on Twitter as well. Him at the Jeff Todd. That's Jeff with a G, and I'm at H Perry Horton. And last but not least, any questions, comments, or concerns you want to share with us can be done so by emailing pod at filmschoolrejects.com. Next week, we're going to be looking at the final film shot by legendary cinematographer Conrad Hall, Sam Mendez' Road to Perdition. Till then, good viewing. <laughs>